Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Pat Sullivan about attitude as the cornerstone of leadership and team building. Sullivan, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Great to be here, John. Yeah, I'm excited to have a conversation with you today. We're going to be focusing on attitude as the cornerstone of leadership and team building. And you come uh, to us and having this conversation today from a bit of a unique background. I'll share that with listeners in just a moment when I share your bio. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to be able to explore this, not just from a kind of traditional corporate lens, but also from an athletic lens. Um, and you, you, you're able to do it uh, from both uh, areas. As we get started, I wanted to share Pat's bio with everybody. Pat Sullivan is a teacher, coach, and administrator for 44 years, 10 years of Prov- at Providence High School in New Lenox, and 34 years at the University of St. Francis. As the athletic chair, he led 370 student athletes and 60 coaches in 14 sports at St. Francis. His teams won 602 games, and he was coach of the year 11 times and inducted into eight Hall of Fames. He is the author of Attitude, the Cornerstone of Leadership and Team Building from the Bench to the Boardroom. Wonderful uh, experience, 602 wins. That's a tremendous track record. Clearly, you've been uh, successful as a coach, as a leader, as an administrator. Uh, I'm excited to be able to have this conversation with you today. Before we launch on in, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of personal context? Just that we had some pretty good players, John. <laughs> mm, I bet. That's how you get the wins, obviously. Yeah. We were very blessed. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, and a big part of coaching is recruiting, right? And just getting, getting uh, good people on your team and which is a, a good thing to remember for any organizational leader. You know, if you want to have success, part of it's how you manage part of it's how you, you create the culture and the environment in which people can perform. But part of it's just creating an environment where people want to go there, where you can attract and retain really great people, whether it's in sports or whether it's in the workplace, you need good people on your team if you're going to be successful. Uh, and that's a, a big part of what leadership is all about. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And in, in our recruitment, it was very important to us to look for people of character. Because I really believe in athletics. Most seasons, you have some tough, tough stretches. The kids of character stay with you. The kids who might not have character, I think they go south. And probably the thing that we were most proud of that validates that we had kids of character is 176 seniors played basketball for us 
in our years at St. Francis. And 172 of them finished their degrees. And that's the culture that, that we wanted to, to um, bring to the university. And again, we got, we got kids and parents who understood that culture. Yeah, that's excellent. And, and I might say in uh, college sports, I, I'm not sure what the typical kind of graduation rate was at your university, but in college sports generally, uh, graduation rates aren't particularly high. <laughs> um, yes. And, and it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a travesty, I think, um, to think of all the, the time and the energy that these athletes put into their sports, and then they don't even get to leave with a degree once they finish. So that's, that's a, an incredible accomplishment. I'm not sure if the average listener knows <laughs> how much of an accomplishment that is to have 170 out of 172 actually graduate. That's, that's fantastic. Well, you know, John, I grew up, and you'll recognize these names, with coaches like John Wooden, Dean Smith, Bobby Knight, and the one thing, Hal McGuire, and the one thing about those coaches, when you think about it, their players graduated. And I thought something that said about the culture of, of uh, North Carolina and Dean Smith is when Michael Jordan came to Chicago, you know, to play for the Bulls, he had come out after three years. Well, if anybody didn't have to get his degree, <laughs> he was going to be able to feed his family, that's for sure. But Michael Jordan, a lot of people aren't cognizant of, went back to North Carolina and finished his degree. So yeah. when you grow up with coaches like that, you know that that's the culture you want to establish. And how about it, especially at a school like St. Francis, because we aren't going to coach any Michael Jordans. We're not going to send kids from St. Francis to the NBA, but we are going to send them into business, medicine, law, education, and shame on us if we didn't do everything in our power for those kids to graduate. Yeah, I love it. And, and so helping them get to that point of graduation, you, you see that as kind of a, a hallmark of, of the character that you were looking for in the people that you attracted to your teams, to the athletes. And I agree that uh, integrity and character, attitude, these are very important characteristics that we should be looking at when we're evaluating anyone to join our business, right? Or, or our sporting team or whatever, you know, I, I want to attract people with knowledge, skills, and abilities, with the competencies and capabilities to be effective. You didn't want to to uh, recruit players who couldn't play. <laughs> uh, they, they, sure. they, they, they had to have skills, but skills aren't enough. You can have someone with top-notch skills who, if they have a bad attitude, if they don't have character, when when things get tough then they don't continue to perform. Um, thing, things happen and they buckle, um, they, they, they get distracted, they, their focus goes other places, and then they're not contributing in the way that they are capable of. And then that has a, a negative effect on the team dynamics and everything else. And so it's just so important, you know, you can hire or, or you can train people and help them develop more skills you, it's really hard to train people to have more character, <laughs> to have more personal integrity. Um, it is possible, but it's, it's way harder. So let's, let's focus on getting really great people on our team 
who believe in the mission and the purpose, who are committed to that purpose, and who have the character to, to see you through the difficult challenges that are inevitably going to come about. And John, I remember one young man, he was at a Division I school, and this happens often, but he was going to transfer back to a smaller school, like our school, where he'd have more of a chance to play. So we're sitting in his living room, and he says to me, you know, I really don't like school. <laughs> so I said, well, I'll tell you what, John. I said, if you come to St. Francis, you're going to learn to like school because you're coming into a culture where kids graduate. Now, he was a good enough player that he went and played in Greece after his junior year. But he did come back, and he did finish his degree, and he's doing just great now. In, in, in the business world. But I, I couldn't agree more with you. If you can get the kids a character who know why they're coming to college, they're coming to college to get their degree, okay? And then the basketball is gonna be a big part of it. There's no question about that. But the bigger part always will be that degree. And, and uh, it was good to see John, um, you know, come back and finish it the way it should be. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, it's all, always good to hear. And so I think one of the questions I would have, uh, whether it's for you as a coach, um, whether it's for any any organizational leader out there trying to get people with character into their organizations, how do you gauge that when you're going out and recruiting? Or if I'm trying to go through the, the recruitment and selection process for people to join you know, my team at work, how, how do I gauge that? How do I understand or recognize good character, integrity, and a, and a positive attitude? Well, one of the ways, this may seem uh, a little incongruent, but when we would go watch a, a, a player, watch how he played to see if we would want to give him some scholarship money, because we were a scholarship school. We watched how he reacted on the bench when the coach took him out. Did he take the towel, throw it down, and go sit at the, the other end of the bench? How did he treat his teammates? How did he treat his teammates on the floor? So we really watched for those character issues. And then, of course, we would ask the coach, what kind of a young man is he? And then we would do this. We would ask coaches who coached against him. You know, if I was coaching again, not that I was going to lie, but I probably would promote him a little bit naturally. Um, but when I'm coaching against him, I'm going to give you a pretty good appraisal of what we saw. So those were some of the ways that, that we judged that. And then, of course, we, we never recruited a kid whom, whom we were hoping to have come to St. Francis that we didn't sit with him and his parents. That was really important to us. So in that meeting, we could gauge what that family was all about, too. And we wanted to be sure that they bought in to the culture of we recruit for graduation. Wonderful. Um, so recruiting for graduation, again, just being crystal clear about expectations, about the culture, um, and about the fit with that culture. Uh, it sounds like something that you very proactively did uh, as you went out 
and did recruiting to bring players into your, uh, onto your team. And similar principles apply when we're, we're working in organizations. Now, if I'm a uh, organizational leader, I'm not going to sit down in the living room of the home of the, you know, people that I'm trying to recruit to, to talk to the parents and I'm not doing those sorts of things. Um, but I absolutely can, um, look for some of those types of signals that you just identified. Uh, how do they interact with other people? Are they a team player? Are they collaborative? Are, are they just nice and like good to be around? Are, you know, what, do they play well in the sandbox with other people or are they jerks? Do they talk down to people or, or, you know, those sorts of things, they tell you a lot and you can start to gauge those as, as you go through um, not just traditional interview process, but uh, it's it's one reason why many organizations will have team-based interviewing um, so they can mm-hmm. see how different candidates for a job, uh, how they interact with each other. And those interactions can be as important as the actual skills that they bring to the table. Now, assuming that everyone has at least a baseline skill level, you know, that they're competent, um, you know, I, I would much rather any, any day of the week, it, you know, let's say on a one to 10 scale in terms of competence, if I had a, a six uh, with an awesome attitude and personal integrity, really great coworker um, versus an eight who has a higher skill, but is a jerk and is really horrible to be around, I would take the six any day of the week <laughs> because that that's the kind of person that it will grow into a role and be able to really be great to work with. We couldn't agree more. And again, I think once you establish your culture, you use the really right word fit. You're looking for people who fit into that culture. And for example, if if we saw a youngster play, he could really play. He would definitely help us win and we wanted to win. But when you watched him, like you alluded, he was a jerk. He was a jerk. The way he treated referees, the way he treated his teammates. I don't want to be around him. And John, although we were a smaller school, We played from New York to Florida. We played the University of Utah because Rick was a friend and we did play, we did play Rick. We played California. So when we would be on the road, I could say this to our kids. Look, we don't hang around with people who own these hotels. Our people are the people who clean the rooms and you guys had better treat them with respect and dignity. Now, when you're talking to kids of character, they know right what you're talking about. And they're going to follow through and do that. And I can say this, John, more often than not, uh, when we would leave a hotel, the, the people would say, we would like to have your team back. Because they really treated our people with, with respect. And when you got kids of character, they're going to do that. And they understand what you're saying, and why. And probably in a lot of cases, their mom may have been that person cleaning those rooms. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. 
Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. And, and so what we keep on talking about really comes back to attitude. Um, yes. Finding people with a good can-do attitude, someone with a growth mindset who doesn't feel like uh, they've arrived. What, you, you mentioned Michael Jordan earlier. So again, to continue with the sports kind of connection here, Michael Jordan, um, he was a workhorse, right? He, yes. he, he didn't just rely on his skill. Now, clearly he had tons of natural ability, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, incredibly talented person, but he, and I, you could say the same thing about like Kobe Bryant, for example, um, sure. th they were the hardest workers out there. So perhaps the most talented, but they also were the hardest workers and they were known for putting in the time to, to make sure that they kept honing their skills. They had a growth mindset. They knew that they hadn't arrived. They didn't, um, they didn't get lackadaisical and just figure um, that, you know, now they're at the top of their game. Everyone else is chasing them. Uh, they, they can just sit back and relax. No, they kept on pushing. They kept on learning and growing. And especially in something like athletics, you know, your body changes as you get older. And so you have to continue to adapt. Uh, now, maybe this wasn't something you, that you had to face as much in, in the college game, but in the NBA, I mean, I, I, it's, it's one thing to play a certain way when you're 24. It's another way to play that. Uh, you can't play that same way when you're 36, your body sure. just changes. And so that was one of the things that I found so fascinating is watching the development of players of marquee players like uh, Lebr uh, LeBron James uh, or uh, uh, Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, as they age, they do make adjustments to how they play their game and how um, they work with their team. The, they keep on learning, they keep on growing and they're never stagnant, right? And that's ultimately what I want in people that I'm bringing into my organization. I want people with a can-do attitude who, who even in the face of discouragement and challenge and struggle, they're going to have an abundance mindset, a growth mindset. They're going to lean into the challenges. They're going to continue. They're going to see it as an opportunity to learn and grow and develop new skills. And ultimately, uh, that'll create such a dynamic, psychologically healthy uh, and dynamic kind of an environment and culture in my organization that ultimately is going to lead to much better long-term outcomes than any star phenom ever could. Uh, someone who, who had all the skill in the world, but maybe didn't put in the time, the effort and, you know, in, in, you know, because that's their approach, maybe they degrade the culture of the team. Um, and that, that becomes an unsustainable kind of an approach when we're trying to lead uh, for long-term uh, outcomes of our organization. 
John, I, I live about 35 miles uh, southwest of Chicago. I was very fortunate through the Jordan era to have tickets for every playoff game. So now I'm watching the best player, in my opinion, ever to play the game at the most important time. And I think here's what people miss about Jordan, and you've alluded to it. They talk about Jordan being such a great player. He was. What they don't realize is what a great teammate he was. Because Michael Jordan, and I watched him at practice too, practiced harder than anyone on the Bulls. So now if you come into the Bulls and you're playing with the best ever and he works like that in practice, guess what? You're going to work like that. I always felt from watching the playoffs, he wasn't the best defensive player on the Bulls. He was the best defensive player in the entire NBA. So we always talk about his scoring. Michael was a great defensive player. And none other than Jerry Sloan and Dave Cowan said, the, the difference with Michael is his will. He will will his team to win. And, and let me add this too. I was only with them a couple of times, but I think you'll like this, John. At one place that we were, we had a, a manager on our team who had been hit by a bus when he was younger. So he had some pretty good brain damage. While in the hospital, Michael through Ronald McDonald Foundation visited him. So now we're at a game in Chicago recruiting and Michael's son is playing with one of the teams. So it was good to see no one in the audience Okay, bothered Michael. He was there to see his son, and let's honor that. So at halftime, I knew one of the guys with Michael. So he called me over. Well, the next thing I know, our manager who, you know, had the brain damage, but felt Michael was a friend of his. He came running over. Well, the bodyguard stopped him, okay? I explained to my buddy who, who he was. The only person that Michael Jordan sat with that whole game was Billy. And when, when we finished, I gave him the thumbs up and said, thank you. And he did the same. The other time I was with him, I'm just going to leave it at this. He couldn't have been more gracious. And from watching him, that graciousness was genuine. It's great to hear those types of stories about these rich and famous <laughs> individuals yeah. uh, it humanizes them and helps us understand. Yeah. Like they are people too. That's, that's wonderful. So again, you know, it, it really does come back to, to having that good attitude and, and just being willing to put in the time now, you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember the name of that documentary that came out over the summer about Jordan and the bulls, um, a tremendous Netflix and ESPN documentary. Um and it was clear, uh, you know, watching that documentary and hearing all the interviews that not everyone always loved Michael on the team um, because he pushed them so stinking hard. <laughs> um, That's right. You know, but and, and I, I suppose I'm sure there were times that he was kind of a jerk to people, um, but it was because of his drive for the, 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 yes. the main the main purpose of the team was to win and to win championships. And he expected the best effort out of everybody. And if, you know, if someone's going to be a little pushy or a little bit of a jerk, 
to that end, that's something I'm willing to put up with <laughs> because they're, they're making it, they're making yeah. everyone better. Right. And they're not, yes, yes. they're not allowing, they're not letting themselves off the hook, let alone other people on their team. And, and Michael, one thing that you know about Michael is that he was always, he, he demanded a lot, but he always put in that same effort and he was always willing to help other people to, to grow. Uh, it's one of the things you learn about uh, Kobe Bryant. He talks yep. glowingly about Michael and his mentorship, right? Uh, as he was mm-hmm. a young athlete coming into the league. So I think all of these um, these types of stories are really great reminders to us as we consider, uh, you know, what it really means, um, you know, to to have a good attitude, to to be willing to put in the time, the effort, the work, and uh, to to make a, a meaningful contribution uh, to the organization. And so when you, when you talk in your work about um, attitude as the cornerstone of leadership and team building, I I really do see that as a foundational piece and it built upon that attitude is mutual accountability and trust built upon that attitude is a willingness of individuals to sacrifice for each other um, because they see genuine caring, genuine um, willingness to, to continue to put the effort in over time. And, and there's no, there's no substitute for any of those things. Um, you can't fake it. You can't, uh, you know, it, it's not, yeah. it's not the sprint. It's the, it's the marathon. And that's something that you see in, in the greats like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant. They weren't just great. They weren't a flash in the pan. Great for a couple seasons. They were great for long careers. Yes, um, they were. And, and it's because of their consistency, their effort, and their, their, their determination and their resilience and attitude over time. And John, the word on the street when you said, you said not everyone liked Michael, the, the word on the street, and I never saw this, I wasn't at a practice when a new bull came to the team. But in the NBA, because you play 82 games plus playoffs, plus all the air travel, you know, you get tired. And often the NBA teams don't practice hard. Well, the Bulls did practice hard. So when the new guy came to the Bulls, they used to say in his first practice, Jordan embarrassed him, stole the ball from him, blocked a shot, knocked him around a little bit because he wanted to inculcate in that young man's head. When you come to the Bulls, this isn't like other NBA teams. You got to work. And you got to work every day in practice. So I always thought that was interesting too. And, and he could do that because of what he exemplified with his own attitude. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Pat, it has really been a pleasure. What an honor to be able to sit with you and have this conversation for the last 30 minutes. Um, I see we're close to the end of our time together today, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work that you're currently doing, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Okay. Um, the, uh, they can get a hold of me at my, on my website at coachpatsullivan.com, coachpatsullivan.com. Or if they wanted to email me, John, I'm at P as in Pat, Sully, S-U-L-L-Y, 100 at Comcast.net, psully100 at Comcast.net. And uh, I, I, I would finish with, uh, with this thought. In, in the attitude book, I use the word as an acronym. And 
the acronym stands for characteristics that I think make for a quality attitude. The A was for attitude. You know, does one person's attitude make a difference? You betcha. First T we talked about, teamwork. The second T, tough-mindedness or toughness. You gotta, you gotta do anything. You, you, you try with a tough-minded attitude. On the I for intelligence, I always felt this, two things for intelligence, your ability to listen and your perseverance to your core values. The third T was thank you. I think a lot of leaders don't thank their people. The U, the, the letter was for the word you. I think we're getting away from the only one responsible for your body of work is you. And the D is determination. You got to be determined. And then the E is effort. You hit on this. Effort isn't enough. It must be consistency of effort. Excellent, Pat. Uh, I, I really appreciate all of your insights. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Uh, I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Pat can do for you and for your organization. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.